0: Good evening, everybody. Let's pray again. <laughs> are we hungry tonight? Are we hungry for Jesus? Are we hungry for fresh manna from heaven? Let's ask for it. Jesus, we thank you. You are the giver of life. You are the bread of heaven. And we ask for that hidden manna, that fresh bread tonight. Lord, we declare that Jesus is the true vine. And that he pours out the new wine. Come, Holy Spirit. As we pray, I just want you to turn your attention... Inward to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives in us. So let's just focus our mind, our thoughts, our energy, our emotions, our affections right now on the Holy Spirit on the inside. We ask for the gold tonight, Jesus, refined in the fire. We ask for the of. Would you anoint our eyes to see and the bright garments to cover us, Jesus? Give us ears to hear, God. Amen. The good thing about the Lord is that He really loves when we ask for the highest things. He loves hearts that are after the the fine gold. He loves when people are seeking Him more than silver or or, or gold. He loves when we ask for the things that He so freely gives. Um, And that is what I want to invite us to tonight. But before we begin... I have, a, I have a word for in, um, in speech and in song. Um, and I just see the word of the Lord coming out of you in both speech and song that is going to uh, draw in uh, artists. God's given you that, that artist. Um, um, uh, they're going to be drawn to you. Um, they're going to be drawn to your word. They're going to be drawn to your song. It's, um, and it's, it's a new level of creativity that is awakening in them as you release that word. Um, And I just keep seeing deep elum, and I just feel like the Lord has given you influence over there, and that there is a harvest of artists um, that your words and your songs will gather. So, Lord, we thank you. We bless Brooke. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now we can start. If I can find page one. I am beginning a three-part series tonight called The Encounter Series. Um, really? Part series. Um, I discussed various phenomena and manifestations that occur when the Holy Spirit shows up, either upon an individual or in a corporate setting. So if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to, because it is really a direct continuation of that. And the way that I ended that series was calling everyone up to the front for an impartation for an increased level in the prophetic. Um, particularly the realm of seeing, particularly uh, visions and dreams, um, things like that. And so I laid hands on people. And so tonight, what I'm initiating is a series to help cultivate um, what we prayed for a few weeks ago in your day-to-day life. Um, So we'll be talking about visions and trances and uh, what various... Mystics of church history have called uh, ecstasies and raptures and recollection and, and, and waiting on the Lord. Um, all of these various terms. Um, in short, mystical encounters with God. Now, I want to talk about this word mystical. In the West, our tendency is to associate the word mystical with pagan Eastern religion. To an extent that... For some, when I even use that term, it can immediately shut down their mind and their heart um, because of the association. But friends, um, I use this word in a a particular sense. Uh, The word mystic, mystical, just simply means spiritual. And so when I talk about mystical encounters, mystical experiences, these are what I mean is Holy Spirit moments. But in a unique way, Um, and and that'll become clear throughout the series, that uh, this mystical life is something that has been um, purchased for each one of us through the shed blood of Jesus. And when I talk about these mystical encounters, I'm referring specifically to deep, intimate ways that God communes with our soul. And that's the heart of Jesus. So this first week, um, I'm entitling part one of this series "Divine Invitation." So tonight, my heart is to tell you what's available. Um, start stirring up some hunger in. The next couple of weeks, we'll talk about more practical ways, spiritual exercises, if you will, to help cultivate that that uh, mystical communion with God um, and then on how to go deeper. So we'll be studying scripture, a few Christian mystics um, of the past and perhaps some of the present and practical ways to grow in your communion with the Trinity. So that brings me to really my key point, One of them. There will be two. Um, the first one is that uh, we were made for communion with God. This is desire the desire of the Father from the beginning as he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Pleasure, to walk with them, to commune with them, and to encounter him in a, in a powerful, personal way, far beyond anything else in all of creation that not even the angels partake of. To this extent that humanity has been graced with. John 17, 24, Jesus says, Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. This prayer, Jesus offered to the Father just before he was handed over to be crucified. The very reason that Jesus went to the cross was so that this prayer might be answered and attained. That we would be with him where he is and that we would see, that we would behold the glory of God. This is what humanity was created for and this is what was accomplished through the death and resurrection of Christ And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So, this is about communion and deeper life in God, not just some cool experiences. I like cool experiences. Visions are fun, dreams are fun. Sometimes they're intense, sometimes they're (laughs) confusing a little bit. (laughs) But overall, they're fun. Um, uh, uh, These different types of encounters, they're amazing. But it's not, this series is not just so that we can come have a cool experience for the sake of saying that we had a cool experience. Um, The Christian life is not centered on these experiences. Let me qualify that. These experiences are not the end goal. These experiences are the vehicle to deeper communion and life in God. And friends, I would argue as well that this is normal Christianity. And so we ask for these experiences. We seek and pursue these things, not so that we can feel important for having a better encounter than the person next to us or behind us. (laughs) Though it's cool to share those things with people. Um, But so that we may know God that we would be invited into the heart of the trinity. Key point number 2, this is for everybody. What I'm talking about tonight and over these next 3 sessions is available to all, not just an elite select few Christians. Revelation 22:17, the spirit And the bride say, come. And let everyone who hears say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. There is a river that flows. How does the song go? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And it pours out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. This river of God, Revelation 22, verse 1, it's gushing out of the being of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, whose flesh was torn and whose spirit was poured out into our hearts and deposited the love of God into us and sealed us for the day of redemption and opened us into this realm of encounter forever. This river of life that pours out of the throne of God and of the Lamb is the very spirit of God himself. And Jesus gave a loud cry In Jerusalem, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink and out of his innermost being will flow, will gush out violent, rushing, gushing, life-giving rivers. Friends, this is available to anyone who is thirsty. Anyone who is thirsty. Are we thirsty? Come. Here we are, Lord. (laughs) Here we are, God. We hear the cry to come. Pour out the river. (sighs) Okay. Let's talk about a few of these terms. Visions, trances, dreams. Those are what I want to start with, and we'll talk about a few more um, in the coming weeks. Um, Visions... It might sound obvious, but in order to be clear, um, visions are things that you see. <laughs> <laughs> Quite simple, right? Um, but the reason I want to talk about this is that there, there are different types of visions um, that I want to distinguish between. Um, visions can come to us by the Holy Spirit and um, in uh, in discrete ways and in very dramatic ways. So sometimes a vision will come to us internally, in our mind. We close our eyes. We see a skipping unicorn. <laughs> An image flashed over my mind and over my imagination. And as you may notice from the example I just gave, sometimes the images that flash over our minds don't make a lot of sense um, or seem silly. But sometimes they're more than they seem. (laughs) Um, So God can show up to somebody in a way that he imprints on their minds by the Holy Spirit and come in the room and start waving his hand across the room. And releasing the incense of heaven over all of us. Some will say that they were um, in worship and that they uh, they saw the face of a lion. What is often happening is that folks are seeing this in their imagination. So they can see it um, either with their eyes closed or their eyes open. And this is what I refer to personally as an internal vision. Um, now this uh, um, these internal visions can be cultivated through the engaging of our imaginations, of setting our minds on things above. A lot of this, a lot of our our internal visions, can enhance and increase in both in frequency and in and in uh, 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 intensity and in accuracy. Actually, as in by accuracy, I mean directly from the Lord, um, um, not just something we initiated, by meditation on the scriptures. The scriptures renew our minds. And what is common to think is that when we start engaging with God, that we have to lay aside our minds. Friends, if we do that, we have disobeyed the commandment to love God with all of our minds. It is the carnal mind that is hostile to God. But a mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The carnal mind, death and destruction, worry, care, anxiety, lust, pride, selfish ambition and motivations. These things are hostile to God and they produce death in lives every day. But when the mind is set on the spirit and this word of God is called the sword of the spirit. When we set our minds on this written word and when we set our minds on the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, when we engage with him. Life fills our soul. And it can clean out and it does clean out our imagination. Um, And so uh, and we'll, we'll hit more on that later. But. My my point in saying this is that meditation on the Scriptures, focusing, beholding the Spirit of God on the inside of us, or around us, wherever He chooses to manifest Himself at that moment, um, it results in life and peace, and it enhances our ability to see these internal visions. Okay? Um, Now, sometimes these visions come in a more direct way. These visions would come in what... I would call um, an open vision, Um, or to be more specific, an open-eyed vision. Um, These are not terms that I have the authority to set the definition on. (laughs) These are things that I use for clarity when I'm communicating um, in in different settings. But in an open-eyed vision, it is as real, as present, as intense, and even as tangible as... Me standing up here talking to you right now. That when that lion appears to you. He is just as visible, as real, as as if you could touch him um, as as I would be. I may not see him. But you might. When Paul was on the road to Damascus to get some letters of approval to imprison. This. Crazy Jewish Jewish sect called Messianic Christians, followers of the way, Jesus people. Um, he didn't like them very much. So he was on the way, on the road, and he sees this open-eyed vision of Jesus. But the people around him don't see the vision. The people around him experience the intensity of the encounter um, and... Uh, Um, But they don't see Jesus and they don't hear Jesus in the same way that Paul does in that moment. Um, We see similar things happen with the prophets of the Old Testament. So this happens sometimes that we see it. Others around us don't. um, But. It's real. And it's in all your sleep. (laughs) Zechariah speaks of the visions in the night. He has a series of, I believe, eight dreams or night visions, he calls them. And sometimes it's a little unclear if they're awake at night seeing open-eyed visions or if they're asleep in a dream. Um, It's hard to tell sometimes. But an angel wakes him up (laughs) uh, from a dream into a vision. It's intense. Um, Read Zechariah. Friends, that guy. He was on a roller coaster. He had the night of his life. (laughs) Um, So God can come to us in dreams. Um, Perhaps in the near future we'll do a series just on dreams because that takes some time uh, to really unpack and to grow in. Um, And and a number of people in our community dream. Um, Trances. This word is a little tricky to pin down. As far as what scripture means by it sometimes and as far as even more so than what people that claim to have them, including myself, um, mean when they say them. So I want to try to bring clarity in the Bible, um, in the New Testament, the book of Acts. We have the word trance um, appear two times, one in reference to Peter and one in reference to Paul. Uh, Peter is waiting for his meal, his lunch, and he falls into a trance. Um, this trance accompanies a vision. OK, um, Paul, while he's in the temple praying, goes into a trance um, and the Lord speaks to him. Um, so you can experience a trance while you're waiting for a meal <laughs> or while you're in deep, contemplative, meditative prayer. It can just come on you whenever the Holy Spirit wants it to, but. Um, So how is this different from a vision? Um, The way I am going to communicate it, the way what Matthew Esquivel means when he says trance, and it's still a little loose, a little tough to pin down, but one in reference to Peter and one in reference to Paul. Um, Peter is waiting for his meal, his lunch, and he falls into a trance. Um, This trance accompanies a vision. Okay, Um, Paul, while he's in the temple praying, goes into a trance um, and the Lord speaks to him. Um, So you can experience a trance while you're waiting for a meal (laughs) or while you're in deep contemplative meditative prayer. It can just come on you whenever the Holy Spirit wants it to. Um, So how is this different from a vision? Um, the way I am going to communicate it, the way what Matthew Esquivel means when he says trance, and it's still a little loose, a little tough to pin down. Not, I have the date wrong, but it was a Thursday. I know that. <laughs> um, Thursday night service, uh, the Lord starts encountering me, um, and, and it's actually while Tracy is preaching, and I don't remember anything that Tracy was talking about, <laughs> um, but maybe she was preaching on the very thing that... He was showing me. Um, so maybe some of you, the Lord will start to encounter you. And he will give you something else than what I'm saying. Um, but anyway, the, the, the primary message that resonated in, in my spirit during that service was this phrase. The Shulamite is coming out of her dark night. Whoa. Song of Solomon, chapter 3. The Shulamite has, been, has spent two chapters growing in intimacy with the king And there comes a point in chapter 3 where the king is calling her to the mountaintops. And she knows that she doesn't want to go back to the old life before she knew the king. But there's also a hesitation to go up to the height, the Mount Zion, the great and high mountain where the king is dancing. (laughs) Um, And so she remains in that comfort zone out of compromise. But what she realizes is that the place she was in was not satisfying her. And so out of love, she goes out into the city and begins searching for the king. Um, Now, because of the mercy and kindness of the king, even though he called her to the mountain, he comes down and he meets her in the city. And friends, I believe that this is what God is saying to the church in America right now. That we've been searching for him in the city... But he is calling us up to the mountain. That he's bringing us out of this dark night. He's bringing us out of this slumber. He's bringing us out of this hesitation, out of this fear, out of this uncertainty. And their love is going to start compelling us to seek him out. And that we've been seeking him out in the streets. We've been seeking him out in our vocations, in our calling. We've been pursuing our callings, which is important to do. If we've been commissioned by the Lord, we want to walk worthy of the calling that he's given us. But friends, there is, there is uh, pardon just my struggle with the terminology, but what he's doing is he's calling us into this high, deep, wide, long journey of loving communion with him that will c- bring us out of our comfort zones. I believe, um, well, I saw a vision during this trance. I was down on the ground, unable to move. um, And I began seeing a giant map of America. And I saw a giant bride that covered the map, sleeping. But then she started to stand up. And as she began to stand, um, she... uh, um, I just saw her rising with this place of authority. Um, I want to make sure I get the order of things right. Um, But as she's in a wedding dress, she begins to rise. And God is saying God's causing his bride in America to rise up. And then in the vision, I begin to see missiles fly from overseas towards America. And I see the bride lift up her hand and she began to sing. And these missiles fell to the ground. She then began to to step across the ocean to the other nations. And I saw her just scoop her hand across the nations. And she was she was gathering people into her dress. And as more people were added, more glory was shining. (laughs) More beauty was shining in in the radiance of her dress. Um, and and these these rockets and these missiles continued to fire towards her. Um, But she continued gathering. She continued singing. Friends, God is raising up a bride in, in, in intimacy, in authority. Yeah. Wow. I began to, uh, in the next scene in the vision, um, I go into what I see as a fighter jet. Um, and I, a man is, is flying this fighter jet to America to fire at America. Um, and, and, uh, and I speak to him, and in the name of Jesus, go back where you came <laughs> And in the vision, I, I see him turn around, land his plane, fall on the ground weeping, and give his life to the Lord. I began to wonder after this encounter, like, did I actually go and do something? You know, or <laughs> so I started watching the news and you know, I didn't find anything. So maybe I've ordered something, or or maybe, or both, that the Lord was showing me. This is the kind of thing that the church is moving into. Friends, mystical communion, union with God, it 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 is it is intimacy and it is authority. Yeah. Amen. Um, I began to ascend into heaven and I knew Jesus was taking me into the, the father's heart. And as I started entering the father's heart, though I wasn't seeing, um, I was feeling very intensely a, a, a my body physically started trembling um, in this moment. Um, and, uh, and he showed me a room um, well, I felt, I felt the Father's heart longing for his lost children. And that's the thing that's been common in, in some of these more intense encounters that I've had, is the, the heart of God for, for the lost. Um, even well, we'll get to that, even for those in the church um, that uh, he, he showed me a room full of thrones, but these thrones were empty. And what I believe he was saying through this is that there are many um, even believers that are supposed to be seated on these thrones, but they weren't. Now, theologically, (laughs) scripturally, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. But what I believe the father was showing me at this time is there are thrones here for my people, for saved people, saved people (laughs) that know the Lord, that are not sitting where they're seated, (laughs) Um, and he is he is longing for his bride to come and sit with him on his throne. Um, the Lord uh, began taking me into this meeting room and I saw uh, all of these uh, um, what looked like bright little children. <laughs> Um, And the Lord is showing them a map and just saying, I want to release these joy bombs over certain cities in the earth. And he's deciding with these children where to release these things. (laughs) And so they are having a great time with Jesus, finding out, deciding where they're going to land these things, um, because they would be explosions that would, uh, uh, um, holy explosions, that would... um, release God's glory and his power over entire regions. Um, and, I, and I do believe that in, in this encounter that Dallas was one of those places. Yes. Lord, send a bomb of holy joy. Woo! Let the joy of salvation come to our city. Yes. In Jesus' name. And I knew this would be important for what's coming to America. Friends, Jesus told us, he warned us of signs that are coming. Famines, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars. Um, And these have been happening in varying degrees of intensity all throughout history. Um, But the main thing he said was, do not be troubled. God is raising up his people to rise and shine in this hour of darkness. Upon the earth, righteousness and wickedness are harvesting at the same time. They are maturing together. They're becoming more evident in the earth at the same time. But I'm telling you, the sons of light will conquer in the end. Um, So. Here's something that I want to uh, make us aware of. Um, Revelation four chapter one. That is the invitation God is giving us right now. Come up here. Come up here. John hears a voice like the sound of a trumpet. Come up here. He's taken up in the spirit. God is calling his people to come up in the spirit and to do what? To behold a throne and one who sat on it. It was like jasper and sardius stone in appearance with an emerald rainbow surrounding his throne with 24 elders seated on thrones, clothed in white robes with crowns on their head. Four living creatures with six wings covered with eyes all around them, beholding the beauty of God, one with a face like a, an eagle, one with a lion, one with a man, one with an ox, crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And friends, these beings, they're standing before the throne of God now, These seraphim, which means the burning ones. They're burning with the light and glory of God because they're standing in his presence. God is raising up those that stand before him, that burn in his presence. And it will radically transform our worship. The song holy takes an entirely new meaning when we have an encounter with the holiness of God. We declare it in faith because that's who God is. But we say, God, show me your glory. Show me your holiness. And we sing this same song. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. And we sing it. Though We've been singing it for the past 15 years or however long. But we sing it remembering the bright, shining God on his throne. Friends, God is saying, come up here. God is saying, come up here. God is saying, come up here. This is going to take something really important. And I want your ears. If you have ears to hear, listen to me right now. That in this hour, in this nation, that the uh, overriding tendency in the body of Christ is to lean towards complacency and lukewarmness. That is the temptation I will I will use that word instead that the the temptation over the blessed church, over the American church right now is to lean towards lukewarmness and complacency. And Jesus, with his eyes of fire and his heart of love, is saying, be zealous and turn away from this mentality. Friends, the, the Laodicean church was unaware of their poverty of their blindness, of their nakedness. I am rich and have need of nothing. And Jesus gives a rather alarming rebuke. And it pained his heart to a point of sickness that would cause him to vomit. Because his people, his beloved, were unaware of their condition. And in a time of blessing, after breakthrough in their finances, after breakthrough in healing, after breakthrough in, in, in their emotions and whatever area of breakthrough that they're fasting and praying for, they said, I have need of nothing. And they stopped searching for the gold friends we press in and fasting and prayer for breakthrough and we rejoice when the breakthrough comes but we don't stop pursuing Jesus and hear the heart of Jesus with the church in Laodicea he says i rebuke and chasten those whom i love he has such a heart of love for the church in america for every single one of us however well we're doing in our walk with god or however complacent we've been or whatever sin and licentiousness we may be in right now. God loves you and he rebukes and chastens those whom he loves. Am I rebuking you right now? I don't know. You tell me. Um. (laughs) But he's giving this incredible invitation to the Laodicean church to come and dine with him, to buy the gold refined in fire. The judgments, your judgments are better than gold. They're sweeter than the honeycomb. That wisdom is better than gold. The knowledge of God is better than silver. That we have to keep seeking after these things. Isav, revelation to see Jesus. And bright garments to cover us, to shine and to cover shame. And he, the the church that he has no uh, uh, um, affirming comment towards, as in, Hey, you're doing a good job here, here, but uh, you might want to get better right here. Um, um, he's just saying, he's got nothing positive to say. But to this church whom he deeply loves, he is giving this glorious invitation to feast on his presence. If anyone, any single person in this church invites Jesus in, he will come into you and will feast you, will feed you with his body and his blood, with his presence, with his life. And he says, to him who overcomes will sit with me on my throne. As I overcame and sat with my father on his throne. We are being invited, friends, to sit on these thrones. That we may be with him where he is. That we may behold his glory. That we may partner with him in releasing his will and his kingdom on earth. Let us not neglect this invitation. Let's stand. I'm going to pray, and just give us—I'll give us a um, just a couple of moments—and do me moments—to um, just let the Holy Spirit minister us, minister to us, speak to us um, after I pray. Um, but then I'm going to uh, um, have uh, our media team play a couple of worship songs um, to. Give us an opportunity to respond to this Revelation 4-1 invitation to come up here. Um, They will be throne room centered songs. um, And and at that point, I'll invite you if you want to come up on the front or on the floor or whatever it is, um, you could do that. So, but uh, first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the words of Jesus, for the words of life. And that, Lord, some of us have received the word today as a sword piercing our hearts. And we thank you, God, for conviction. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you. If we have been rebuked tonight, we thank you that it's come from a king that loves us dearly and that is more than able to take us to this place that he's called us to. Lord, if we've been stirred tonight, let our hearts cry to the Word come, say yes, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, a grace over this group of people that are standing right now to burn for God. And that you would guard each one of us and keep us from this temptation to draw back in our pursuit of love for you.